Radio Live with your hosts, Jim and Sandy Young. Welcome, everyone. I am Reverend Sandy. And I am Reverend Jim. Welcome to Angel Talk Radio Live. Our show is sponsored by the Living Light Center at Church of Faith and Healing. For anyone interested, Jim and I do personal readings. And if you'd like to have a personal reading, you can call 304-567-3354 or email sandysangeltalk at aol.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-S-A-N-G-E-L-T-A-L-K at aol.com. And you know, if you have a question, you can call in and we'll answer it during this 55-minute show. Or, you know, if you just can't get around to doing it now, if you email us, We'll do the best we can to answer a question on anything spiritual. I've been studying for 50 years and trying to decipher the codes within all of the ancient texts, and it's been a lifelong work of love. There's no doubt about it. And meeting Sandy and, you know, us becoming husband and wife, it has only added to, you know, be able to give different perspectives to each one. Um, You know, I'd like to introduce Sandy. Our church is um, Judeo-Christian. It is also um, prophecy. It has prophecy in it. Why prophecy? Because there are times when we need to know little bits and pieces. The angels wanted to come to me and they said, we give you a piece and then you go look up and try to research and find another piece. Then we give you another piece and then you research a little more. And then all of a sudden it all comes together. Now, I disagree with that a little bit. I said to them, I said, well, not really. I said, just go ahead and give it to me. Give it to me all of it, right right at the same time. (laughs) Well, needless to say, it never did happen that way. But, you know, Sandy's gift started when she was such a young child, too. Um, You know, at the age of five, she could telecommunicate telepathically with her grandmother, who lived, oh, I don't know, almost two hours away. And her grandmother would then call her up on the phone and say, I got your message, sweetie, and... You know, I'll be up this weekend and we can talk talk it over. And she didn't know that everybody couldn't do it. Well, if she did mention it to somebody, well, it was a, shh, you know, don't tell anybody that you can do that. Or they didn't just didn't believe it. But, you know, I mean, it's such a natural thing. And children more and more are having the gift. And, you know, and still some parents just want them, you know, to, to you know, get rid of it. Um, and that's such a shame. Because there's such an innocence there that the conscious mind doesn't try to decipher it and keep out what it doesn't feel is comfortable. And like I said, from the time she was five, and in 1994, she started her own holistic center. And you know, since that time, she has done over 10,000 prophetic readings, and nobody has ever complained, which is unheard of. Unheard of. And... You know, she doesn't like for me to espouse on that, but we have had radio shows in Washington, D.C., two blocks from the, right, from the White House, that broadcast into five states. We've done television, our own television shows. We've been guests on many television shows, and we were the premier, you know, teachers, preachers, and, and um, prophesiers in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and everybody knew our name. And then God said, I need you to, to, to go somewhere. <laughs> and so he brought us out here to Center Rock, West Virginia, because, you know, we, we thought that he was 
telling us that we needed a break and that we'd have a place out here we could come to just to get away from, you know, how much work we were doing, only to come to find out that we were barely out here and things were being offered to us and we put our house up on the market and it sold, I mean, immediately. The first day it went on the market. <laughs> so there wasn't any going back. And where we are now is three or 960 feet of sheer rock that stands up and it is made of two types of quartzite and limestone, sandstone, and it has a 17-mile underground vertical lake under it that is encased in granite. Wow. I mean, and we can sometimes in the summer see it from right where, where the church is, um, but we are on its ley line, so we feel it. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it's just beautiful. Eagles fly overhead. I mean, we, you know, we have nine, nine deer in the yard. Um, Sandy's, you know, very good with, with nature. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, the thing about prophecy is, is that God controls time. Well, we actually have the ability to move around within space and create things and do things and say things. And sometimes it's to our own detriment. But when it comes to time, God controls that. It's even been said that, you know, in the, the end, of end times, that no man knoweth the hour or the time except the Father. Not even the Son knoweth the time or the hour. And so, you know, our time is not the same as God's time. So we can usually, I mean, hit it right on. But, but there have been times when it wasn't this October, it was next October. <laughs> but it was a, a life-changing or altering situation. But, you know, it was, it was the next October. So, and we don't know that God wasn't giving the individual more time. So the idea is, is that if you have questions and you're not quite sure, you know, email or call. Um, 304-567-3354. And we'll do the best we can to answer the questions that you have. Um, like I said, I've spent my whole life taking the biblical stories and, and a lot of the ancient texts from the Fist of Sophia to the Keys of Enoch to many, many others, and breaking them down into their meanings from beginning with, you know, looking at it and seeing it as a on its literal value, which is knowledge, the tree of knowledge, and applying it. You don't have anything if you don't apply it. Knowledge not applied is not yet knowledge. So knowledge applied becomes wisdom. And you apply the wisdom, and it brings you the understanding. It's a trinity, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how everything seems to come in that trinity? And that's one of the things we want to talk to you about today, how important that is and how to access it for every moment of your day, every day of your life for, for forever. Um, so, again, I want to, you know, to say this is my beloved, um, and her name is Reverend Sandra Young, and it's all yours, babe. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, some of the prophecies that we'll be doing will reach into the areas that are subject is today is hope, faith, and belief. We are brought here onto this planet because we are part of the divine light of God. And although the separation feels like it happens and divides us when we are born and we have to grow back through our faith and our belief and our hope that we can reconnect to God, to the light, to understand who we are 
and why we are here. Sometimes that path can be very difficult, and sometimes it can take a long time before we can finally conclude that we feel that love of God just radiating through us all the time. But we are a divine spark. And within us, this divine spark of light wants to grow. It wants to become a blazing flame. And if it does, it unites more and more with the light of God. And it can create miracles. It can create situations that could be beautiful and blissful. But there are obstacles on our path while we are here. And that is that when we came in, we came in through the tree of knowledge. And it is going to put thoughts and questions and chattering in your head so that whatever you think you want, everything gets distorted. It's trying to confuse you, to keep you in a lower state of consciousness. And our objective is that we must learn to overcome this, these stumbling blocks. But how do we do this? Well, from the very beginning, Moses has the tablets and gave the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments are guidelines to help you stay within the laws of God so that you don't fall out of the boundaries and fall into the obstacle course that you will have to deal with. But more so than anything, it's your trust and faith and hope and belief that you can ask God through prayer, through meditation, for things that you need in your life, and they will be given to you. And the more that you invest your faith into this, the more God responds to you. The more you become one with this light. But we have to truly understand that the obstacles out there will make you believe you're unworthy, unsuited, and that you'll never accomplish whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Those are your obstacles. You must not buy into lies. You must not create lies. You must be truthful to yourself at all times. You must hold within you the values that are pure. For when we know we have sinned, we go to God and we say, Dear Lord, I know that I have fallen short of the glory of God. And I ask through the Divine Holy Trinity, the blessings of God, to forgive me and allow me another chance to prove myself to be better. When we can ask this, our whole experience in life changes because we have a new opportunity. Our growth here, this lifetime, is far more accelerated than past lives because this lifetime, we are going through changes in consciousness, very quick changes in consciousness. We are raising from a third dimensional consciousness into fourth, fifth dimension. We are, we are allowing ourselves to transform, to metamorphosize into this beautiful being of light. But it's about growth. It's about stepping through the steps to be able to release those things 
that hold us back? What is it in our belief system that tells us we can't? Allow yourself to say no. No more. I buy not into that. I choose to be all that I can be. You have to understand that if you don't face with your mind focusing on your problems, if you don't face these issues now, they will get larger and larger. And it's like a weed. If it's small, you can pull it out. But if it grows to the size of a tree, it's pretty hard. So you want to take care of it when it's small. These situations that you deal with in your life, when problems come to you, do you think that they haphazardly come to you? No. Within you, you hold chaos in your belief systems, in your soul. You believe something that's not a truth. And so what happens is that you draw a situation that matches that belief system to your life. And it looks like chaos. And you say, how in the world did this get attracted to me? Well, because we're in such an accelerated growth period, we have to see what it is that's blocking us so that we can say, aha, I no longer need this. I now change the way I think about this situation and I let it go. And when you do, the darkness leaves and the light pours in and fills your soul you become more and more a light being until one day you can command with your voice the words as Jesus had spoken and things will happen. You can move mountains. You can change things. You can heal. You can do miracles. But only when you have purified the soul. That is when you see your health improve. When you see the lightness of feeling within you. But until the world itself grasps the idea that we are not to battle each other all the time, that this is an illusion, that we are being misled, but yet it seems like reality, that everything is based on love. We have just distorted it. This is when chaos comes, and guess what? The earth itself then is forced to take action so that we wake up our inner consciousness. And that's why all of the things are happening. Why do you think that, that the sun is bursting X flares onto our planet? I mean, this is huge, massive plasma hitting the planet to wake us up. What does it take? How much does the sun have to give to wake us up? Or do we just look at it and say, oh, man, I'm in so much pain. I can't believe this. No, it's an awakening. It's adding more light into us so that the darkness can't control anymore. And yes, we are about to receive another X-class flare. It's been released yesterday and will probably hit the planet on Tuesday. Well, isn't it interesting that Tuesday would be the day? It is the 8th, which is what? It is an energetic activation on and between Sirius and the Earth. It's called the Lion's Gate. And the Lion's Gate is all about contemplating on what is our truth and what is within our heart. It's activating 
the heart and mind, the coherence there. It is, it is bringing this awakening of the divine feminine aspect of our soul, bringing a loving compassion into ourselves. And yet, because it's the lion, it has the courage and the confidence. It is expanding our heart, our awareness. It is bringing us into a new alignment, to a whole new dimensional reality. It is allowing us to see through the gates and see the possibility of where our future lies. In meditation, you can, you can feel the opening of this portal and you can embrace the energies that it's bringing into your life. And this is what you need to do. You need to accept the fact that there are so many beings of light. Your space brothers and sisters, the angels, the masters, all the beings of light are here at this time. Why are there so much UFO activity? The beings of light are bringing you opportunities, opening you doors to see that you are not alone. You have helpers that are trying to awaken you and lift you into a higher position of consciousness. We will begin to embrace the fact that we are not simply just this human body, that we have a soul that can unite with a spirit, a spirit of light, of God consciousness, and we can become anything that we want to become. We can embrace this if we have hope, faith, and belief, and that we are true to ourselves. We can see where this will lead. But if we fall short of this, we will have to deal with situations that will continue to force the earth to have more earthquakes, more volcanic activities, tsunamis, hurricanes, typhoons, you know, huge hail balls, and lightning strikes that are getting larger and more intense everywhere. Do we want this? Is that what we really want? Or can we admit maybe we are more than what we think we are, but we, are, we have to be connected to the light, to God? Because when we unite, we can lift this consciousness above this chaos, and that is what's being offered. That is what's being offered to all. Where will you embrace your life? Will you believe in yourself? Will you have the confidence to know, I can face these turmoils. I can walk through the lies. I can face truth and know I can stand strong. This is where we need to stand. For God stands there with open arms awaiting you. It is you that needs to make the next move. God bless all of you. Okay, let us go into talking a little more about the hope, faith, and belief. You know, the power of faith is generated on a widespread scale by all religious traditions. You know, it's interwoven in the lives of millions of people. It's that deep religious faith that has sustained countless people through difficult times. Sometimes it operates in small, quiet ways, and sometimes in profound transformation ways, every one of us at some time during our lives has no doubt witnessed the power
power that operates, you know, on a family member, on a friend, or an acquaintance. Having that faith, it's so important. Religious faith offers concrete help in times of trouble. And extensive recent surveys seem to confirm the fact that religious faith can substantially contribute to a happier life. Those conducted by independent researchers and polling organizations have found that religious people report feeling happy and satisfied with life more often than non-religious people. And studies have found that not only is faith a predicator of self-reports of feeling of well-being, but a strong religious faith also appears to help individuals deal more effectively with issues like uh, aging and coping with personal crises and traumatic events. You know, the statistics show that families of those with strongly religious beliefs often have lower rates of delinquency, of alcohol and drug abuse, and ruined marriages. There's even some evidence to suggest that faith may have benefits for people's physical health, even for those with serious illnesses. There have, in fact, been literally hundreds of scientific and epidemiological studies establishing a link between a strong religious faith and lower death rates and improved health. In one study, an elderly woman with strong religious beliefs were able to walk further after hip surgery than those with fewer religious convictions. And they were also less depressed following the surgery. A study was done with the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and they found that heart transplant patients with strong religious beliefs have less difficulty coping with post-operative medical regimens and display better long-term physical and emotional health. So the benefits of a strong religious faith sometimes comes about as a direct product of certain specific doctrines and beliefs of a particular tradition. In the same way, those who have an unshakable faith in God are often able to understand intense hardships because of their belief in an omniscience of a loving God, a God whose plan may be obscure to us at present, but one who, in his wisdom, will ultimately reveal his love for us. With faith in the teachings of the Bible, they can take comfort in verses such as Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Strongly held religious beliefs can give one a deep sense of purpose, providing meaning for one's life. These beliefs can offer hope in the face of adversity and suffering and death. It is possible to indicate your particular religious or spiritual ways of life through external means, such as wearing certain clothing or having an altar or shrine in your house or doing recitations or chanting and so on. And there are ways of demonstrating that externally. But however, these practices or activities are really secondary to your conducting a truly spiritual way of life based on the basic spiritual values. Because it is possible that all of these external religious activities can still go along with a person harboring a very negative state of mind. But true spirituality 
should have the result of making a person calmer, happier, more peaceful. All the virtuous states of mind, honor, faith, belief, compassion, tolerance, forgiveness, and caring, these mental qualities are genuine, spiritual qualities, because all these internal mental qualities cannot coexist with ill feelings or negative states of mind. So engaging in training or a method of bringing about inner discipline within one's mind is the essence of a religious life, an inner discipline that has the purpose of cultivating these positive mental states. Whether one leads a spiritual life depends on whether one has been successful in bringing about that disciplined, tame state of mind and translating that state of mind into one's daily actions. So what is faith? It's the fundamental fact that what we hope for will actually happen. Our faith assures us we will receive the things we need that make life worth living, knowing that something is real waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. As said in the scriptures, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. Hope and faith is the message Paul and Barnabas preached. They strengthened the believers and encouraged them to remain true to their faith. We must pass through many troubles to enter the kingdom of God, Acts 14.22. So by hope and faith, you can rest assured that in due time, you shall reap your desired harvest. There is no person, place, or thing that can keep God from meeting you every need if you take him as your faith partner in life. The only source you will ever need is your true source, God. For God, my God, shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 The principle of faith is the biblical basis, the foundation, and groundwork for getting the miracles you need and receiving the answers to all your prayers, Romans 1.17. The Holy Communion. Those that receive it are following God's principle of faith. The bread and wine are used as spiritual symbols, for they are seen in spiritual terms. They are transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ our precious Lord and Savior. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it in the remembrance of me. This is God's principle of faith. Thanks, Sandy. If I could just add, too, when Jesus raised the bread and broke it, it was very significant because up until that time, bread had a curse on it, and so to speak, and it was through Cain's lineage that, that he was growing the wheat, and, and it was not blessed by God. And so there was, a, a, one could say, a curse on bread itself. And when Jesus raised the bread above his head and he broke it, he broke the curse. Oh, yeah. Very true. 
Yeah. Now, baptism is another principle of faith. When used in the performances like Christian baptism service, the water takes on sacredness and becomes a symbol for the Holy Spirit through which believers participate symbolically in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is more of an experience of the heart rather than the analytical, rational thoughts. And although the rational mind is important, but focuses on time and space dimensions. And we want to reach beyond these limitations into the intuitive aspects of the mind. The analytical, rational mind will utilize the five senses and break things down to categories where the intuitive mind integrates the broader picture of the experience of the inner meanings of faith. Now imagine, there rose a storm of wind on the lake, and the boat was near sinking. How would you react to this? Would you succumb to the fear and emotions of what the storm was creating? Or do you have the hope, faith, and belief that these storms will pass if you do not identify with them or empower them with fear? Then ask yourself, what is the source of this stormy emotion? Could it be illness, a personal crisis, maybe family issues, business or work problems? Have you been angered or disappointed or frustrated or hurt? Usually people suppress these feelings, then creating material for the subconscious mind. Later, these repressions are activated and brought to our attention for resolution. We must not blame outside of ourselves for the uncomfortable feelings evoked within us. Instead, search our heart and take responsibility for our own creations. In this case, we do not resist, control, or judge these awakened storms. And when faced with insecurity and fear, remember the self within, as the Master did. He got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and they quieted down, and there was a calm. How is it that the winds and waves obeyed the Master? Well, when we go beyond our personal but limited resources and seize the conviction that there is only one power, we have achieved command over our anxieties. We can rebuke the storms in our lives. We must remind ourselves of our faith and belief to make the foundation of our spiritual life even more solid. Faith is so important because it is the force that gives life to every word, to every concept that we store in our mind. Life manifests through faith, and faith gives life to everything we agree to believe in. We accept a concept, and it becomes a part of us. Faith, faith is a force that holds all these symbols together and gives us a sense and direction. Once you support an idea with your faith, it doesn't matter if it's the truth or not. You believe it. You are done. Thy will be done. Jesus said, if you have just a little faith, you can move mountains. So why do we feel like our faith is not strong? Is it because our faith is not free? Yes, it is because our faith is not free. Our faith is invested in 
all the knowledge in our head. It's trapped in our tree of knowledge. Our faith lives in that structure. You may want to be successful, but your faith does not always follow your thoughts. There may be beliefs that are stronger. It is saying, you will not succeed. And that's what happens. You need to challenge your beliefs that are limiting you. You need to free your faith through truth. It's what cuts away lies. Only truth can free faith. The lies blind our faith, and you no longer follow your truth. That is what happened when we ate of the tree of knowledge. We believed our lies, and our faith was blinded. Then we followed an illusion that was not true. And when we lose our faith, we lose our power to creation, which is our connection with God. The result is that you will eventually die because we are led to self-destruction. When you have real faith, the moment is real. Faith in yourself, life, your abilities. From here, you can create anything you want to create if you have awareness. The challenge is to recover the power of your faith and no longer accept the lies. It's important to build your faith. This is done when you pray, go to church, when you love, gather together with others. If you believe completely what you want to accomplish with a prayer or ritual, you multiply your intent. Prayer builds a bridge from you to the divine spirit, pushing away the part of you that tries to defeat yourself. It helps to stop the chattering voices in your head that abuses the emotional body. It helps break self-limitation agreements, and then the faith will come back to you. When you restore your faith in truth and you remove the lies, the result is you become authentic and return to your true God self. Then your words, combined with your faith, gives you free will power to believe anything you want. And what you will want, most of all, is to express love and unite your energies with the light and love of God. Now, out of the Pist of Sophia, there was, there was a, a section I want to read to you. And for the, see, let me say, for those who don't know or have never heard of the Fist of Sophia, it means faith and wisdom um, in Greek, but it is also the Coptic, the Coptic Christian text um, that were written and, you know, supposedly hauled away from Egypt at one point, but they were not destroyed. And they are just full of wisdom. But, you know, the information in them brings to, to light the areas of the, of the Old Testament and New Testament that, you know, that enables you to interpret and understand it and the other ancient texts. It's amazing. Everything is in threes. Even the book itself is the first section, second section, and the third section. And it's pretty much the same information in all three, just written in a little bit different way. But it's a trinity. It is. And this section says, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for there is the same Lord over all, who is a treasure to all those calling upon him. And everyone who calls on the name of YHWH, Yahweh, will be saved. However, how can they call on him in whom they have 
not put faith. Right. It's even been said, you will never be able to see heaven from here. No matter where you are, if you are, I don't care if you are at the top of the pyramid, right on that little teeny point, and ready to leap off into the heavens, you will never see the dimensional vibrational frequencies of those places above you. Because you're always learning, always growing, and always God is creating. And so you will never be able to see above you. So it takes faith to believe that it exists. And when you do, it becomes real. Absolutely. Jim, I think you had some things that you were going to share. Well, you know, it really says a lot of what you said in recognizing the powers of the cosmic hierarchy in order to work with our own Christ nature. We will always remain trapped in this body of limitation, utilizing only those powers of the mind of our limited serpentine frequency of light. However, the beginning of our awakening comes through faith, which must not be blind faith but a faith active in love. It's active. So many people think it's passive. Well, I have faith in, in Jesus. You know, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was, you know, 10 years ago, and so I know I've got a place in heaven. And I tell them, I say, well, so how do you express that? How do you apply that? And they say, well, I don't have to apply it. I just, you know, I did it once, and it's, it's done forever. And I said, you know, I just, I'm not judging, but I hate to say it, but there's going to be an awful lot of people sitting on a park bench. You know, someday when the ascension comes and they don't know where to go, they don't know what to do, they don't have any idea what awaits them, and wouldn't you want to know? God said, I will, or Jesus said, I will reveal to you from the beginning of time, from the very ends of the earth, how creation began and how you were part of it. And what more could one want? You know, for the last six months to a year, you know, as we began to apply the Trinity in faith, you know, hope, faith, um, and trust, and, you know, and belief, it's interesting because I have never felt more peace in my life, and I truly now understand when it says, you know, a, a peace that passes all understanding. And it's true. And it's like, oh, my goodness, how, do I, how can I give this, you know, to others? How can I spread it? And they said, you speak it. They said, if you look at even the ancient scriptures, and God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils, and the man became a living soul. So he breathed the life into the nostrils. And so by breathing it back out, when you speak, it carries back out the God essence that was placed within you. It, 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 it goes both ways. And we forget that, oh, God did that for us. Yes, but what are we doing for him? It's the same principle. He did it to us or for us so that we could remember it when the time was necessary, which is now, and we could remember to do it also. The beginning of our awakening comes through faith which must not be a blind faith, but a faith active in love, a love for humanity, love for the world, the worlds, the beings of light, and the source of all. 
This love leads us to the knowledge of the holy names, which give us a personal experience with the divine, as we are told in Romans 10, 12, 14. The key to the names, the 72, they are represented by Jacob when in his dream, as he laid his head on a rock, and that must have been a pretty special rock, but he saw the ladder that went up into the heavens, and coming up and down the ladder were the angels. And he ended up wrestling with one. Not a smart idea, I guess, but hey, it seemed to work for him. But, but when the angel blessed him, the angel also touched him on the hip, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. I asked the angels one time, you know, is that, really, is that the way to, get, to go? I mean, to wrestle with the angel until the angel blesses you? And, you know, and the angel said, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you know, I always have to ask, just to know. But it's like you said, the pathways of light are outlined clearly. First, there's faith, as Christ said. And it's interesting, Christ, you know, there are many Christs. There are false Christs. There are antichrists. So, you know, that's why the sacred names are important, because as you invoke them, the light or the dark cannot withstand the vibration or frequency of that sacred name being pronounced in verbally, because it literally has to leave, because if the darkness enters into that kind of light, guess what? It'll become the light. It, it'll change it into the light. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be a superhero, you know, um, light being, but, but it may take a million years. But once it enters into the light, the light becomes, starts to grow, and it will become the dominant force. So first, there is the faith, as Christ said. If we had faith the size of a mustard seed, we would work miracles. That's on Matthew 17, 20. Then with faith, there comes the actualization of love, forgiveness. Then comes the acceptance of the mysteries and the purification of our mind, body, and spirit to become part of the light. And finally, the restoration or reformation of the flesh into a body of light that can be ascended or indwell among the many heavens. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. So, you know, I've had preachers ask me, what, what name do you use for Jesus? You know, I mean, because I'm not sure that has the vibrational power in it. And it was the Romans who come up with it, and it was their highest god was Zeus. So they assigned it to the highest, you know, being that they could within their kingdoms, you know, to appease many, and it was Jesus. And it's a, it's a variation of Zeus, but his name in that lifetime, as, as a boy, as a man, was Yeshua. And it was, you know, a lot of times it was very similar and close, but it was Yeshua, and it means salvation. And, you know, he, he, was, he lived in Nazareth, so to speak. He was a Nazarene, and the, the language of the day was Aramaic in Nazareth. And so I've had people write me and say, you know, I know people say that, that the, the Bible was translated from Aramaic and, you know, and from the Greek, and I've never found that anywhere, you know. And, and I tell people, Jesus spoke in whatever tongue the people need to be heard in. There could be 10 people standing in front of them, or 5,000, and they all spoke 
you know, different languages as per their culture. And yet, when Jesus spoke, they heard it in their own tongue. They didn't realize that the person next to them who was Aramaic was hearing it in their tongue. And so there were times when things Jesus said were translated into, you know, Aramaic or Greek or, you know, whoever was telling the story. Luke, the book of Luke was not even written by Luke. Luke was a doctor. And yet it was written by a man named Lucius who wrote down the stories of all the people Jesus healed. And where would you go if you were healed today? If you were six months from dying and all of a sudden you were made perfectly whole, where would you go? You'd go to your doctor, right? And you'd say, look here, (laughs) what you couldn't do with medicine, God did, you know, simply by saying, take up thy bed and walk. And so Luke was the doctor and Lucius was his, so to speak, attending, one would say. And so Lucius kept track of all the records. And so the entire book of Luke really was written by the one named Lucius, who was half Roman and half Hebrew. And, and yet, you know, it's one of the most descriptive books in the Bible. The restoration or reformation of the flesh into that body of light that can ascend and indwell among the many heavens becomes possible only when we understand who we are and why we're here. And, you know, not just stumbling around from place to place has nothing to do with your job. It has nothing to do with, with, you know, how many friends you have or how many you don't. It doesn't matter how well things are going in your life or not. Sometimes, you know, you will help somebody in the future. And unless you have walked it, oftentimes you cannot help someone unless they look into your eyes and they see that you, you actually walked through it and overcame it. And when you do, you give them a way of escape. And so it all comes together. I mean, can you tell me how many miracles have you experienced last week? How about the week before that? Or how about the week before that? Or the week before that? In the last month, can you say that you've at least experienced two miracles in that week? If you haven't, then you're missing something. Because in reality, spirit can bring forth the light codes of perfect patterns. But it takes you to be able to take those codes within you through the Father, the Messiah, Yeshua, our God and our Savior, and the blessed Holy Spirit to bring them through you. And it was said on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came through like a mighty rushing wind. Oh, I want that so bad. I can't even begin to tell you how much. And... Yeah, really, me too. (laughs) Yeah, and the whole idea here is is that, you know, if you're a teacher, you're going to be beset at times by those forces that want to trip you up. And actually, in one of the prophecies that came through, which was very unusual, the, the hierarchy of the angelic realm came in and said, we wish to tell you something. I said, okay, you know. I mean, I am always open to hearing. And the angel said, we want you to quit looking left and quit looking right. 
And I thought for a minute, I thought, well, I mean, the only way I could think I could do that would be to put some kind of a brace on my head, <laughs> you know. But, you know, don't think that I don't go back and forth with the angels because I do. I respect them and love them dearly. But, you know, there have been times when I've quoted scripture when they have told me something and I quote the scripture and they will give me grace in what I'm walking through. If you haven't asked for grace, ask for it every day of your life because I lived for 40 some years before I finally said, you know, read them a passage out of scripture and it was about mercy and grace. And they said, for a minute, there was just silence. And then they came back and they said, yes, grace can be extended in this situation. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you mean I could have asked for grace every time? And they said, yes, but that doesn't mean that it would have been extended every time. They said, sometimes you have to walk it in each and every emotion so that when someone looks at you in there, they can't find a way out. They will see in you what they're going through because you walked it. And in that instance, grace is usually not extended, though help is always given. And so, but trust me, from that point on, I ask for grace every time. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. You know, sometimes I just have to walk it. Sometimes I have to walk it for the fourth or fifth time. And, you know, and it never really specifically, so to speak, ends. But the idea here is that there are words or sacred names. And it was once said, if you're going to speak the name, you better have your life in alignment or in oneness with God's purpose, not your purpose. Don't, do not use the sacred names to, you know, to acquire something that, you know, you want, not need. You know, the angels came to us one time and said, you know, well, if you want a million dollars, what would you do with it? I said, don't we always utilize it for the purposes of spirit or of God's purposes in, in all that we do? And they said, yeah. They said, but you take a vacation. You figure you, 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 know, you deserve one. It's been a long time. <laughs> I said, okay. And they said, you know what? You probably would even take two. I said, come on now. And they said, but, you know, what do you really need? You think you need a bed, but what you really need is a mattress on the floor. But God understands that, you know, humans like a little bit of comfort when they're sleeping so that, you know, they can revive and rejuvenate the body. And they said, so there's no problem in that. You know, if it's something you need, God has no problem with that. But the idea is, what do you do with what you have? You want more? Well, you got to show that what you have or have been given, you will use. You know, I started about two years ago to start mapping each step of the way, every step. And I began to realize that each step was connected. Sometimes I just pull into the driveway of a supermarket that I'd never been in before in my life, get out of the car, walk up to the door, still not knowing why. And coming out was a gentleman who was a retired general in the, in the military. And we talked in that doorway with those doors open for probably over an hour. And it really, it, it touched the heart, my heart. And I knew that what are the chances, what are the possibilities that that would even occur? So the idea here is Sandy gave you yod hey wad hey Now, the, the ancient version is yod hey wah hey 
but once the Christ, you know, battled the cross and was resurrected, it became Shin or a W. So you can even pronounce it Yadhe Vodhe. And that is very powerful, without a doubt. We have Hashem, and that is, I mean, it's so powerful, I can't even begin to express it. It is the name of the God Almighty. But again, keep in mind that as light steps down, it has to step through three perfect beings, the Father, Messiah, and the Blessed Holy Spirit. I can't tell you the number of ministers when they, you know, when they say prayers, you know, in the name of the Father and the Son, and they leave out the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you can't do that. You know, the Old Testament was of the Father, the New Testament of the Son, and, and the Aquarian Age is of the Mother. You know, how often have they changed things? Again, Hashem is the sacred name of the God Almighty. And it was at one time considered too sacred to speak. Adonai is the Lord of Lords. Kadosh, 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 Adonai Savayat. And that, I'm giving it to you phonetically. Um, it can all be Savayos. But the idea here is um, it's found and occurs 432 times in the Masoretic biblical text. Um, and may the holy name be preserved and used with great wisdom. For we know that the all of thy holy name is the beginning of wisdom. But Adonai, but gee, you know, the forces of darkness took the name Adon, A-D-O-N. They couldn't put the A-I on the end of it because that would bring in the light. So they took Adon. And so many were fooled. How often are we going to be fooled? The power of the darkness, you know, it has fooled us for thousands of years. I mean, so we have to be very careful right now. The false gods are, I mean, they are pumping it out. And the whole idea here is, you know, if you're going to say them, how about iota? <laughs> you know, iota, not one iota. And yet, nobody ever told us that that is a sacred name that Jesus would utter. And the I, the O, the circle, feminine, and the Ta is, you know, is the Messiah. Iota. And we don't even have a clue that it is because they don't want you to know. They want you to use it negatively. You know, they want us to believe that a truth is a lie and a lie is the truth. And we have to stop allowing that. Even our money, pretty much worthless. There's more debt than there is money in circulation. And the moniker, moniker and the name we use to call sacred, the almighty God, is the almighty dollar. Gee, they just shifted that right over, didn't they? And how many of us caught it? And in God we trust. I mean, come on. We have to begin to see that, you know, that we have been fooled little by little, and we still are. You know, every person on this, on this planet that was created by God is your brother, your sister. You know, regardless of, of their actual beliefs, I've had people come to me for counseling and they were um, agnostics or, you know, or didn't believe in God at all. And they would say, you're probably not going to want to talk to me after I tell you this. And I would say, no, you got it all wrong. You're the easy one. <laughs> you don't have, okay, you don't have years and years of dogma that is clouding your judgment. 
you know, that I have to break through. So you'll probably be more receptive than others. Um, we're going to have to stop for this week, but we can pick it up again later because there are sacred names that can be used and a court of justice that is of the angels. So give us a call at 304-567-3354 and, um, or Sandy's with an S, Angel Talk at AOL.com. And we want to communicate with you. We've been doing this for a long time. You know, our first radio show was two blocks from the White House. So, you and know. if anybody would like to have a personal reading, feel free to give us a call at 304-567-3354. And know our ministry is all about love. We God bless. God bless.